everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Broncos. Um, this time, unfortunately, around bad circumstances <laughs> with another Broncos loss. But hey, it seems like you guys like Broncos therapy sessions, so we're back here. Uh, Cal's been commenting flash like 50 times in the comment section. We're here, we're yeah. here to bring the, the, the slop to you guys. So, Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing actually pretty great. I got to be honest. I, I know we'll get into it later, but we've got Prime coming to see you. I've got the Philip Lindsay Buffs jersey wow. by me. Prime coming to see you has me really jazzed up and excited about sports. Um, I'm uh, uh, sorry. Our comment section just is uh, making me chuckle a little bit. Um, and then the Broncos, like, yes, it was a loss, but they also dramatically outperformed my expectations for this game. Um, not on offense to be clear, but I really thought this was going to be the week we saw the wheels come off and the wheels stayed on the defense played their, their asses off. It was a heck of a performance. And, um, yeah, I, I'm actually feeling like weirdly good. I, I think that has more to do with the Broncos beating me into submission and lowering my expectations so much that a 10 to nine loss is uh, relatively <laughs> pleasant. But uh, paired with the Deion Sanders news, but overall, I'm I'm solid. Okay, well there you go. I mean, for me, dude, I'm not I'm not feeling like amazing. I think what's pulling me through right now is the Deion Sanders Colorado news. That that's pretty much what I'm checking up on all the time. Of course, while covering the Broncos and trying my best to give you guys um, analysis on that, but I don't know, like. There's just not a ton to root for for this for this for this Broncos team right now. Um, but I didn't come into this game thinking the Broncos were gonna win. So it's hard for me to be that disappointed. Obviously, we'll get further into why. Um, but Zach, you want to hop right into this? Yeah, let's get into the game. All right, for sure. So obviously the Broncos didn't score enough. I don't think they scored enough at all. The Broncos, like, obviously didn't. They didn't put up enough points whatsoever yet again. Um, it seems like this has been an issue for the Broncos for years now. Why do you think that was for this game in particular? Especially when a lot of people were saying, hey, this might have been one of Russ's better games as a Bronco. Yeah, I, I think, well, I don't even know if I buy one of the better Russ games as a Broncos it, uh, or as a Broncos quarterback. You're seeing the training wheels thrown on this passing game and Russell Wilson in particular. And I think we're at that point in the season where it makes sense. I thought he played a fine game, you know, like I don't think he hurt him. It was like a Teddy game. It was like he kind of just stayed out of the way. He completed like what, 80% of his passes. Here, I, I've got it right here. I can pull it up super quick. He completed – uh, 77.3% of his passes at 8.6 yards per attempt. That is crazy efficiency, but those numbers feel wildly hollow. It, it feels like Teddy Bridgewater last season, honestly. Um, the problem is the Broncos were paying Teddy Bridgewater like $8 million last season uh, <laughs> on a one-year deal. Uh, they're paying – they have sold their souls uh, to be entrenched with Russell Wilson at $250 million. Um, and I just think it's bad that like the glimmer of hope is that he looks like a very mediocre game manager that the offensive play caller clearly doesn't trust to run the offense. Right. Um, it kind of reaffirms in my mind what we've been saying for a long time. Like, I just, I don't think he's the guy. 
I think he can improve. The situations around him being terrible are certainly contributing to what we're seeing right now. But this is an all-time bad offense, like one of the worst offenses in NFL history. The quarterback's a big factor in that. And I don't think – because quarterbacks are important in the NFL, especially to offensive production. Um, and I just – I don't think it's going to improve enough to be worth $250 million, And I think the Broncos need to move off as fast as they can. As for what went wrong in this game, sorry, Joey, I'm ready. No, you're good. What went wrong in this game? I think it was the run game because mm-hmm. Russell Wilson was fine. He was very mid, but on 26 called passing dropbacks, uh, the Denver Broncos generated 189 minus uh, how many yards did they lose on the sack here? Sorry, I'm trying to figure this out. They generated 199 on the passing attempts, 21 on the scrambles and then they lost like 10 um so about 200 yards passing on those 26 called dropbacks uh on their 26 designed runs they generated 67 yards um, <laughs> yeah, not good enough. like they're at 2.6 yards per carry on designed runs like you have to be better and i agree the broncos have to stay committed to the run and lean on the run because of the type of quarterback russell wilson is at this point in his career but if you're spending half your plays getting 2.6 yards per carry, it's going to be hard to generate much offense. Yeah, I totally agree. And before I give my comment, I want to hop in the comments real quick. Um, Indy says, do we need to get into why anymore? I kind of agree. It's a little of everything. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's like you can wrap it all up to offense at this point. Like it's not it, – it's the entire thing. It's just not good enough. Um, D Bronx says that's an insult to Teddy Zach. (laughs) And I agree. I think Teddy was better than that, honestly, but it was just like that kind of thing where like you would look at Teddy's, uh, CPOE EPA composite. And it's like, he's the best quarterback in the NFL or second to only Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, that feels a hair inflated and a hair hollow. Yeah, I, I agree. And then uh, Ty says, wait, where the hell is Bree? I need answers. Bree could not make it today. Um, so she no died. one comment to uh, flagrant things in the comment section because this is like my first time working through all your guys' comments. <laughs> uh, um, okay, yeah. I want to respond, though, to R. your – uh, Miss you. It's for you. <laughs> fired from the pod. It's a damn shame. Pour one out, y'all. Pour one yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I do want to reply to what you were talking about, the run game. And I, you know, I, I agree with what you said. You pretty much said, Hey, I liked the run game. I like that. They were stuck with the run game. I just don't like the run game. Right. I think that's a good <laughs> way. A to run game. It's a bad run game. <laughs> it's a bad run game. I, and I tweeted exactly that. Like it, it's, it's a good, like, I like that they stuck with it. It's just not good enough. Right. It's not. The Broncos don't have, and I really can't blame the offensive line this time around. I didn't think the offensive line did that bad of run blocking. I'll be honest with you guys. I I thought, especially during that first half, um, they were run blocking pretty well. Like there were holes for Latavius Murray to run through, and he's just not going to make a lot after that, right? Like he's not at this point in his career. He is what he is. Um, I think he's going to get you the yards that are there, but none none after he's going to fall. And I think your best, (laughs) what you could hope for most is that he kind of falls forward. I don't think he's breaking many tackles at this stage in his career and supplying you with any juice. The Broncos running back room just does not have juice right now. 
Um, Zach, what were you going to say? Just kind of on to what you said, like if he has to make a single move in the backfield, it's done. Oh, it's just it's a like, battleship. if you, yeah, it's bad. We've talked about it a few times. It's a uh, ode to one of my uh, favorite sports writers ever. The late, great Chris Wesleyan, the actual RIP. He's, he's actually dead. I'm like, Bree. Um, uh, called Leonard Fournette uh, during his time with the Jaguars, old battleship Fournette. Cause he turns like a battleship. And uh, I, I think it's very uh, accurate to Latavius Murray at this stage in his career. Like right. You just pointed out just, there is no wiggle there. I think he's a solid like tackle breaker. He's a solid power back um, relative to what's out there for the Broncos right now. But you're leaning on Marlon Mack. You're leaning on Latavius Murray. You're leaning on Mike Boone. It's it's ugly. No, if you said it exactly right. If Latavius Murray has to move left or right in the backfield, the play is done. He is a straight line guy. If he has to go off of where the design where the run is designed. We're looking, you know, the result is not good. We do not want that whatsoever. Um, completely, completely uh, straight line <laughs> runner. The comment section's going wild. Uh, if, it's, if it's blocked up, right, you can get, oh man, we're getting spam comments. <laughs> this is kind of exciting. <laughs> um, uh, hey guys, we've made it. We finally got our first uh, hey. hacker bot comments. I'll pop the champagne. These are the um, same people that DM you the crazy stuff. <laughs> if it's, <laughs> I, I, Sorry, I, 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 I got to get that intro. Um, if it's blocked up for Latavius Murray, he can make, um, I think, a really nice play, as we saw against the Panthers with that 52-yard run that was comfortably the longest of the season for the Denver Broncos. Um, like he can break a tackle and create a big play off of that, but. He needs it to be blocked up for the blocked up for him, and I just this offensive line is not a very good one. No, it's it's not. I thought this was one of their better days, but that's not saying a ton. <laughs> it's really not saying a ton. It's not at all. Um, any more com- comments on the Broncos' offense and why they couldn't score points, or um, did you think that you wrapped it up pretty well there? Um, comments on the Broncos offense. Like I've got positive stuff to go into. I don't, I don't think I have any more for the negative end of the Broncos offense. Okay. I want to move us to more of a positive side, but on the defense, um, the defense obviously bounced back this game. I think a lot had to do with Lamar Jackson going down early, but what do you make of that? Who do you think performed? Well, um, I'm going to say it again, shout out to Evro, but what do you think, Zach? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, he was working his magic (laughs) once again. I think the Tyler Huntley thing is, uh, uh, I I hope people don't pin, and I haven't seen too much of it online. I actually haven't seen any of it online, so I'm I'm glad it hasn't been out there. Um, But in case I'm missing it, don't pin what we saw on like Tyler Huntley being the quarterback for the Ravens. Um, Because he's a very good backup quarterback. I think he was the best quarterback on the field on Sunday. is also a very dynamic weapon uh, for the Baltimore Ravens offense when he's in there. Uh, You saw him do it with his arm, like his first drop back, just a laser on like third and long. Um, And it didn't convert the third and 15, but it got him like 13 or 14 of it um, over uh, on the far hash or on the far sideline. Really impressive throw, I thought. You saw his running ability at times in the game too. He's he's just a good quarterback. And to hold him to three points for 
almost the entire game is great. They probably hold him to three points on the game if it's not for a few uh, boneheaded penalties, not to get us back to the negative. But I thought PS2 had a nice bounce back game. That pass interference is really, really ugly. Um, Alex Singleton had a really, really nice game. That helmet-to-helmet contact is a really ugly, unnecessary penalty. Um, So that was a bummer, but overall just like, Great performance from the defense. It was great to see uh, the pass rush back and firing. Um, to your point about Evero, it seemed like a lot of that was the product of that penning personnel. We've talked yeah. about him uh, do, using. We had the uh, breakdown from, I believe it was Frankie uh, earlier in the year. Um, it's so effective, and it was great this game. The top two Broncos in terms of pass rush win rate this game were the inside linebackers, Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell. Um Sample size is a good is a good chunk of that, um, and, and they had like seven eight guys over twelve percent. So it wasn't like they just had no one beating their uh, blockers. Just every time they walked someone down into the penny, it was creating problems or up onto the center rather. Uh, it was creating problems uh, for Baltimore's offensive line and Denver Feast. So man, the so would you say just yes or no? Um, Alex Singleton has impressed you more than what you anticipated at the beginning of the year. A, a ton better. A totally. ton better. And let we me were, tell you all guys, season, we talked about him as one of the biggest yeah. problems on this roster. And, and I wonder, seriously, guys, like this is absolute credit to Evro. So I'm going to give him so much credit here. Without a defensive coordinator like Evro, I think a lot of our predictions about Singleton and a lot of Broncos countries prediction predictions about Singleton season would go the way we thought. I just think Evro is using him to his strengths so 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 well. Um, he's like he's a run and hit linebacker, obviously letting him do that. But the way he's using him as a blitzer and a pass rusher in the pass game is phenomenal. It's like, okay, this guy's not the best pass coverage linebacker. What are we going to do with him? We are going to send him at the quarterback, and that's something he can do well. And, and man, is it really good? It makes me want, like, hey, Zayvon Collins came out of last year's class. If Zayvon Collins was used, like – um Alex Singleton this year, oh, he would imagine? be a monster. If you have a guy that could legitimately, legitimately is like, hey, this guy can really pass rush and get after it. Even like if Baron Browning stayed at inside linebacker, he would kill at this role that Alex Singleton is playing right now. Obviously, I'm happy. Um, Arizona might be hiring a head coach this offseason. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> obviously, I'm happy. Baron Browning. Uh, move to edge right now because that is such a more valuable position um, than inside linebacker. But it's just like the type of guy that I now can envision being in this Evro defense and succeeding. Um, I I want to keep Evro around. I think the philosophy philosophy behind what they're doing with Singleton, and I think you did a great job of pointing that out, but um, uh, the, (laughs) I think the philosophy behind doing that with, um, Singleton is uh, sorry. The chat keeps throwing me off tonight. They are on one. Um, I think the philosophy behind doing that with Singleton is the same thing to what they did with Browning. We have this guy who Singleton's not an amazing athlete. His is more like amazing, um, just pursuit ability. Some of that's reading, reacting, and um, just all of it. He's a really great pursuit player. Um, 
and, and you've got Baron Browning who maybe struggles with more of the read and react parts of the game. And it's, Hey, let's take some of this off the plate, off his plate. Let's just tell him to go after the quarterback, pin his ears back. And same thing with Singleton. Um, let's mitigate some of his weaknesses and tell him to just <laughs> go get him. And it's, it's yeah. been great. Um, I, I really yeah. love seeing and just like we, we talk about, you know, people dumb it down and they're like, Hey, well, I want a coach that uses their players to their strength. Right. And for how well that sounds, it's a lot harder <laughs> than people want to admit. And it's something that Evro has done seamlessly this year um, through every player on this team, where it's, whether it's Baron Browning, who's been dropping back in coverage, been brushing the passer. Um, there's been everybody. Josie Jewell's been playing really good in this scheme. I think I think he's used everybody how they should be used. But let's – which leads me to a point. I want to talk about a player that hasn't been performing like the Broncos would hope. Um, let's talk about Nick Benito. He only saw one snap on defense this last game. Zach, why do you think that is? Do you want to see more? Do you think that's like the correct amount of snaps he should be getting at this point? Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think it's a big concern. The Broncos are depleted uh, on draft capital this last draft, but that also means like you've got to hit on the picks you've got. And yeah. on their highest pick, it's it's looking like a miss right now. Um, when he has played, he's got a 9% pressure rate. And this is a guy who was drafted purely because of his pass rushing ability. He was not a great um, uh, run. He's a liability in the run game, frankly. Um, but you saw the flashes of him as a pass rusher. I think my problem with him coming out was so many of his pass rush wins, and he had a lot of them, but so many of them came by running around uh, non-NFL caliber athletes at yeah. tackle. He just – and his get-off-the-line is insane. It's really, really good. But he would just beat him off the line and just run around him and, and get the sack, get the pressure, get the QB hit, whatever. Um, but as a result of that, you weren't ever having to see him win at the point of contact. And when he's asked to win at the point of contact, whether it be setting the edge, whether it be winning with his hands and getting off a blocker, he really, really struggles. Um fact that at this point in the year when the season's over and I get some of it's the Ravens are a run first team and you don't want to expose them to that but like I think he got more playing time against the Titans I just the season's over at this point it's all about developing your talent that's what the year's about and even despite that you can't play Nick Benito more than a snap that's very concerning to me Montro Washington the pick that wasn't popular at the time looked great before just before the season preseason maybe even week one week two it looked like okay this is worth it we were all wrong george payton was right credit to him now it looks terrible now it looks really really bad this is a fifth round pick invested in a pure returner the least efficient play for the broncos offense this year has been a montreal washington touch by the way so ah. negative on the offense um hit uh, on special teams in this game, he averaged 6.3 yards per punt return. That would rank here. I've got, oh, that would rank 52nd of the 71 players that have returned a punt this year, if that was his season long average. 6.3, terrible performance. That's a 26th percentile level performance. You cannot have that from the guy you spent a fifth round pick on to purely return punts from, for you. Yeah. That's it's crazy time. He, he had three kick returns. He averaged. 13 yards per kick return. Ah. 
the, on the NFL season, there's only one player with at least three kick returns, just to prove that it's not a sample size thing, with at least three kick returns that has a worse kick return average than 13 yards per. No. Also, kick returns should give you the ball automatically at the 25. He didn't cross the 20 a single time. He had three kick returns, five punt returns. He got to the 20, which again is a touchback just once. This is, I just can't believe how bad it is. No, you're right. And I, okay, I'll move from Nick Benito to Montreal. Um, starting with Nick Benito, Zach, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is a player, and I don't want to go too hard on Nick Benito because it's his rookie year, but the concerns that you saw out of college is what's happening in the NFL. The concerns that we talked about here on this podcast is like what's not leading to his success, his rookie season in the NFL. Um, This is a really like smaller player at the edge position. And I think even more than, Hey, this is only a player that can run around tackles or what, or what you were uh, talking about, Zach. I worry about him setting an edge. And I, I I think this is like he's athletic enough. He has enough tools in his toolbox to one day be a really – or a productive pass rusher. I don't know if he can become um, an NFL edge setter. I don't, I don't know that at this point. I really don't. I don't know what his body turns into. And at the, what his frame is right now, it's hard for me to believe that he can. It, it really is. It's It's hard for me to be like, okay, so if we put – 20 pounds of muscle on this guy. Okay, but that dramatically changes his game. That dramatically changes the reason why you drafted him to be a Denver Bronco. Um, I think for him, my vision for him, if I'm looking for his success path, is like, okay, this is a player that's really good at pass rushing, and we use him in situations where I want him dropping back and playing in coverage. Um, Because we have some exotic blitz going, which obviously Evro, we discussed earlier, is something that he does frequently. Um, Or he's pinning his ears back and getting after the quarterback. I don't know ever if I'm going to want him in a situation where, like, it's like, I really need you to set an edge here. It's second and one. You were saying the same thing in September. You were saying the same thing in August. We were saying the same thing in July. In my opinion, that's not the concern with Nick Benito right now. We knew that coming in, and we knew he might have been a one-dimensional player. You could live with that if he was a lights-out pass rusher, which is what the Broncos were drafting him to be. They weren't drafting him necessarily to be fine even on run defense. I mean, they're hoping he develops to be that, of course, but they were drafting him just to be a a designated pass rusher. And right now you can't designate him pass rushing snaps because he's a pass rushing negative. He's a downgrade on Jonathan Cooper, your seventh round pick. He's a downgrade on Jacob Martin, the guy you just got off the street for nothing. He's a downgrade on um, uh, uh, Bradley Chubb, of course, Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, of course. That's a problem. That's a problem. You can't have like a Malik Reed that you spent a top 64 pick on. No, I agree. I, I, I do still hold out hope for him as a pass rusher, though. I do. It is his rookie year. Um, Vach Lombardi said it best. I want to see him maybe with some, you know, the offseason peanut butter. Um, that's always his thing is like, hey, once this guy gets a little bigger, a little stronger, maybe we have something there. I don't know. 
it is a physical sport and it's something that he's going to have to uh get better at zach who is the second player you were talking about montrell montrell yeah. washington yeah that one looks like uh let's let's look at this draft class son Nick okay Benito, not looking good right one snap this past week highest drafted player Greg Dulcich, kind of what you're talking about with Nick Benito, like all the fears are coming to life. I think Greg Dulcich is the opposite version of that. Like if I were to imagine, okay, Greg Dulcich is ha- or Nick Benito is having a bad rookie year, what does that look like? It would look a lot like what we're seeing now. The liability in the run game, the pass rushing stuff hasn't been as special as was hoped. If I were to imagine like the best case scenario for Greg Dulcich as an NFL player, what a successful Greg Dulcich in the NFL looks like, it's exactly this. It's amazing. Yeah. He's uh uh, on a per game basis, he has the eighth most uh, yards per game all time by a rookie tight end, tenth most receptions per game all time by a rookie tight end. Crazy to do that in this anemic offense, especially considering Russ's history of not targeting tight ends. Damari Mathis, we've talked about him a ton. He's been awesome this year. Uazarike, looking terrible, man. Really looking bad. I feel like I was right on that one. Um, don't draft a 25-year-old rookie who's like not a pass rusher and like kind of just like stands there and swallows blocks. Rike, Andrew Beck, Brandon McManus. <laughs> Throw it on this. Random roster bubble Broncos I have beef with. Um, it makes sense. The original guy that really like upset me was Devontae Booker. Um, Delaren Turner Yell, he's been like a meh special teamer uh Montreal wash and just a special teamer to be clear like when they were having tons of injuries at safety oh, ty's name wasn't even mentioned they were like let's activate anthony harris and and they drafted him before Montreal washington as much criticism as Montreal washington gets for being a fifth round pick pure special teamer dty is the same thing and he's been <laughs> i think even more disappointing luke wattenberg uh you know Whatever, I think he's been fine. Maybe, he's great. maybe, for start, maybe. He's a developmental pick. He's a I'm developmental still pick. I'm out some hope for him. Same, same. It was a dev pick. That's why I mean, yeah. like, that's whatever. I'm not. Henningson looks good. Credit to Henningson. Fayon Hicks is on the practice squad and probably won't ever make the roster. That's not a good draft class. For as good as the 2021 class looks, and I know he's down on assets. Even considering that, that's a bad draft class. Second round picks should be better than Nick Benito. Heck, third-round picks should be better than Nick Benito. That's a disappointment. Uh, Wazirike, fourth-round pick should be better than that. That's a disappointment. That's a miss. Same thing goes for DTY. Same thing goes for Montreal Washington. It's three of the top five picks – or, sorry, four of the top six picks in a, a draft where you don't have a lot of draft capital. You've got to have a higher hit rate than two out of your top six. Ooh. Okay. I agree. I think that lacking a first round pick and then only having the 64th or the 64th pick of the draft is going to hurt drastically. Like I think that's two players that you would see being productive right now, um, not being on the Broncos team right now, obviously because of like what it is. But um, I do think Greg Dulcich and Damari Mathis can salvage his draft class a little bit for sure. I, I do think that. I think that if they both turn out to be productive players, like, hey, you're looking at this being like, hey, the Broncos hit on a third and fourth round pick. Um, they're future starters, both of them. That's that's a case you can make. Wattenberg, I'm still holding out some hope for. But I think you're right about a lot of this. Owaza Arike playing last 
I mean, he's getting some snaps recently, but DTY, Montreal, Washington, and Matt Henningsen at this point isn't looking too fantastic, right? That's not a great, that's not a great thing to go by. Um, Nick Benito right now, everything we had worries for is kind of coming about. You hope that he can, I, do you think Zach, I have a question for you. Draft philosophy question. I'm going to get us off. Um, this picture real quick do you think that george payton thought that nick benito was an every down player or do you think he was fine with him being a pass rush specialist i think the vision was probably um he can help us get some pass rush in year one and you know hopefully he continues to develop as a as a run defender and then can be an every down player this is what i would bet okay um I there just, is there is value to a player um, being a pass rush specialist. I think that is a role. If they're a really good pass rusher, they have to if be really, really good pass rusher. I just not nine percent that rusher. player with the sixty fourth pick. And that's the thing. Like, okay, there's something to be said about like, oh, they didn't have a ton of draft picks, but there's two points I really push back on on that. Um, one, if I were to tell you, like, you have, uh, four picks in the first four rounds, four picks, almost in the top 100, four picks in the top 116. So barely outside the top 100 there. And you get two starters and two barely playable players. Or if I tell you, you have even, this is even worse you have seven picks in the first five rounds of the draft and you find two long-term contributors, not starters, yeah. contributors. The other three guys are voids on the roster or sorry, five guys. The other five of those seven picks in the first five rounds are voids on the roster. That's a problem unless like all seven of those picks are in the fifth round. And that is not the case. Um, just, just, uh, it's not great. I think Damari Mathis and Greg Dulcich are good picks, but I look at the rest of this class and I don't know if you have anyone who is going to contribute um, in future years outside of it. And that's just whew, not a good place to be. It's it's really frustrating. And the other point I'd point out is, okay, why didn't the Broncos have a lot of picks this year? Why didn't they? Yeah. Because they traded him for Russell yeah. Wilson. What did they say? Hey, when the when the Seahawks are on the clock at picks nine and pick 40, we're going to be watching Russell Wilson highlights. How many highlights are we watching now? Where are they at? I'm waiting. I'd love to be watching some Russell Wilson highlights. I can I, uh, find Charles Cross highlights from this season, and he's an offensive tackle. Abraham Lucas, Dude, even. I Maybe can find Abraham Lucas highlights. Those, 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 those two Seattle <laughs> offensive tackles look nice. It's disappointing, man. It's so that, disappointing. That, that highlight reel is better. So uh, that's my other thing. Like, if we're going to go, oh, well, how, how could George Payton add talent to the roster with that few draft picks? Okay, well, let's look at why he had those few draft picks and how uh, that trade added talent to the roster. Oh, it shipwrecked the Denver Broncos for the next three, four years. Awesome. Maybe uh, Nick Benito and Wazarike and DTY weren't the biggest twists of the draft. Good on yeah. you, Peyton. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Let's move in. And you kind of hit on this earlier, Zach. 
I want to talk about the special teams performance in that game, specifically Waitman at punter Montrell at kick returner. Um, Brand McManus missing a field goal. Like it was an all around poor special teams performance. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, who do you blame? Is like this, like a special teams coordinator situation. Would you blame Stooks for any of this? How much blame do we put on him? Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, I think Saturday's show ended with my crazy hate of Brandon McManus. And then Brandon McManus immediately made me eat some humble pie. I thought he had a good kicking um, game, honestly. Hits the 250-yarders, hits the 40-yarder, misses the 62-yarder. Um, Unacceptable. Which, you know, is bad. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. Brandon, my man. You have not made a single 60-yard field goal your entire career. You have attempted over a good it. number of I'm them. Done. You have attempted a good number of them. Stop I'm telling done. us that you can make them. I'm Stop done. telling us that you can make them. I'm you can't. Done. I'm you done. Can't. I can't do it anymore. I, 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 I can't. I, I go, oh, my God. You know, okay, so everyone's going to be like, oh, Joey's the Fangio guy. Do you remember when he was – when Fangio wouldn't let him take that 60-yard field goal? 60-plus yards, and then he went into the press conference, like, pissed off about it while Fangio was still the head coach. Like, this is – I don't know. It it was a little much for me at the time. Like, I just feel like – I don't know. Like, you let the coach make those decisions. Um, And then now we're looking back at it, and it's like he hasn't hit one yet. He's attempted them, and it's not going in. I don't know, like maybe you shouldn't have been vouching so hard for that. Whether it's been from the very first game this year, that Seattle game, he should not, like we should have gone for that on that fourth down. Um, Until now, like I don't know. It's just the whole thing with that is uh, frustrating to me. Extremely, extremely. And that's the one thing where like, hey, let's have a come to Jesus moment, Um, you know? Like let's 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 reflect okay. on on who we really are. Uh, I just I, so that one was frustrating. Montreal, Washington. Uh, I, I mentioned the pun return stuff on the six point three yard. Yeah, I mentioned that already in this one. Corliss Waitman, forty one point one yards per punt. That is one yard worse than the worst punter in the NFL on the season. Um, so single game performance totally dreadful. You might go, oh, well, that's because they were pinning the Ravens back deep in their own territory and he didn't have a lot of room to distance punt. Well, you'd be wrong uh, because not only was he not kicking it far, he wasn't kicking it precise. Um, uh, pinned the Ravens inside the 20 on just two of his seven punts. Um, uh, the percentage of that would rank 24th uh, on the season among all kickers. Um uh, so that's, or sorry, uh, 28th. It would rank 28th. His longest punt on the day was 46 yards. That would rank 24th if it was someone's season long average. So his best punt of the day was like what the 24th best partner does on average. Um, really, really ugly game. It was. It was. Now we've talked, this is Broncos therapy session. So we're going to talk a lot about the negatives. Going to talk a lot, a lot about the negatives. So I'm going to talk about two players that, I thought had good games. Okay, go ahead, Zach. 
I'm so sorry. They're making us do a live check to make sure we're live right now by commenting flesh a ton in the comments. And that's going to keep going flesh. until we acknowledge that flesh. it is live. You don't live? have to keep we're live. commenting live or flesh. We are live and uh, with you right now. <laughs> so let's talk. Sorry, guys. I'm just not very good at clicking the comments and then also talking at the same time. This is usually Bree's job. That should be <laughs> I'm like kind of reading it. I'll get on the comments. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about two players that uh, I thought had pretty good games. Judy and Dulcich. You kind of hit on Dulcich earlier, but I want your thoughts on Judy. What are your thoughts? Like, how good do you think Judy is? He gets a lot of slack in Broncos country. Um, I kind of want to ask you, Zach, I'm going to do this. Uh, this is an interesting question to me. Is Judy overrated or underrated in your opinion? Um, I don't know. I think underrated, generally speaking. I think you should be viewed as like what I think Judy is, is a solid NFL slot receiver. That's what I think he is. I don't think he's a great one. I don't think he's a bad one. I think he's solid. I think he's a good NFL player. And I don't think he's widely viewed that way. Um, I think, you know, wrong draft pick, relative disappointment to his draft slot, yada, yada, yada. All those things ring true. He's got plenty of deficiencies in his game that I would like to see him improve on, though I kind of doubt he does. Uh, but he also does things insanely well. He's back from injury, played another game, and he improved his yards per route run against man coverage, Joey. He went from 6.00 to 6.09, which is crazy because 6.00 was already the best. Uh, the guy who was nipping on his heels was, uh, or nipping at his heels rather, <laughs> uh, was Tyreek Hill, who's averaging 4.44 yards per route run against man last time I checked it. Now, Judy's at 6.09, and second place is Jamar Chase at 3.87. That gap is crazy. He's almost double the second best guy. Uh, and granted, like there's plenty of other holes in his game. He needs to improve those other things. But he's so dominant in certain areas that I think it balances out to him being a good player, and he deserves more love. Um uh, just to slide it in quick, Justin Simmons is another really good player we should highlight on top of Judy and Dulcich. Yes. We should get into the Judy and Dulcich love, but you get uh, three near takeaways. The third one that didn't stand would have uh, prevented the game-winning drive. The first one um, put the Broncos in field goal position. They gained eight yards or six yards, I think, on, on their three plays following that interception. Drill a field goal. Um Justin Simmons is totally responsible for those three points in my eyes. Um, and then uh, Baltimore gets the ball back, drives right down to the Broncos red zone, and Simmons gets another interception. That's at least at least a six-point swing in a game, uh, yeah, those two interceptions, in a game where only 19 points were scored. And he came this close to having a 13-point swing. Like that's yeah. It's insane he impacted the game that much. Bet the under in every Broncos game at the under in every single Broncos game. Um, so I, I want to just say this about Jerry Judy. I think that Jerry Judy has one really, really elite trait, and that is killing man coverage. I, I The numbers back that up. I think his tape ever since college blacks, backs that up. Um, and what do teams do against Russ? 
They don't run men. <laughs> we yeah, do not true. run men. We do not run men. We Money don't. can't diagnose his zone to save his life, and he can't find the soft spots in his zone. So why would you ever not run zone against him? It is crazy. The only team seeing less man coverage than the Broncos is the Miami Dolphins, who have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, no, exactly. And then it's just like, yo, hey, this Judy guy, he sucks. <laughs> like, like it's like I think he has one trait, and it's to beat. I think he's a really good route runner. I think he's a man beater. That's the way I would say what he is. And I don't think we've been able to see that because we haven't had a quarterback to force these teams to play. Man, like Zone is doing the job just fine ever since he's been on the team. Um, do I think he's like an elite receiver? No. Do I think he's a good receiver? I would say yeah. Do I want him as my number two? I think there's probably better number twos in the league, but I think he's probably average or below average number two wide receiver, and he's a really good slot. That's the way I would describe. Um. Jerry Judy's game to people. I think that he's fine, but I don't think he's fantastic. I think it's saying a lot that we put him as, hey, this guy's been the most consistent player on this Broncos offense. Saying all that because I just said he's fine, right? Like <laughs> that kind of just shows how bad this Denver offense has been this entire year with all the injuries, with Russell Wilson making it look even worse with the injuries. Um, everything about it's been really bad. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It, it, the whole situation with this Broncos offense is irritating, and I don't even know what to say about it anymore. Like, like I, I, I'm i defending Jerry Judy because I think he's been really good compared to the rest of the offense this year. But, I mean, if I stuck him on a really good offense, he would probably be like my fifth best player, I would say. Yeah, I, I think like – I, I was talking on a Breeze radio show uh, earlier today, the Fan Cave. Check it out every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain. You'll get uh, Bree and me on there talking Broncos for an hour ahead of the show. Um, and I just, like, compared him to Tyler Boyd, and I don't know if he's as good as Tyler Boyd. But I think it's a solid comparison. We're like, That's no you know what? He's not T. Higgins. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not a superstar. He's not changing the game. But he's just a good slot. And if your whole offense is relying on Tyler Boyd, ugh, that weapon, that room of weapons doesn't look great. That offense isn't going to look great. Um, if he's your third or fourth option, oh my God, this is this is amazing. This is a great situation to be in. Um, I, that's what I think he is. I think like to put him in NBA terms, like he's a, a championship young, caliber. <laughs> He's a championship caliber team number three. He's a he's a number three on a championship team. If he's your number one or your number two, uh, if he's your number two, maybe you're a playoff team. If he's your number one, uh, you're picking in the lottery. But uh, yeah. he can be a good championship number three. He's like a he's like a Drew Holiday. Word to Frankie in the chat, who's a Bucks fan. Um, so I want to hop into this next comment, and I was even private messaging you about this because I don't know if this is too spicy or not, but Zach and I were talking about George Payton today. Um, very specifically about like where he stands as a Bronco right now. And I know a lot of the chat who doesn't like George Payton is going to be, th this is a polarizing topic. Zach, what are your overarching thoughts on George Payton right now? Um, do you think this, how tied is he to this Russell Wilson uh, situation? And, I guess 
yeah, like just what are your overarching thoughts on him right now? I think he's made a couple like devastating mistakes. You look at the Nathaniel Hackett hire, you look at the Russell Wilson trade. Those are devastating mistakes. And we can say, oh, anyone would have made the Russ trade or, you know, it was bad luck or like, I don't care. They're devastating mistakes. Any way you slice it um, that have jeopardized the franchise, the future of this franchise for the next several seasons. Um, and as a result, like, I don't know that for me, that's where he stands right now my evaluation on like what the Broncos need to do with George Payton is going to lie in like what he does going forward. Um, and that's even before this upcoming off season right now, I saw them chatting it up at Broncos practice on Thursday or Friday or whatever it was. Um, I think it was Friday. Um, uh, the Walt Walton Penner group and George Payton are meeting. And I would bet a lot of money that those meetings have mentioned, what are we doing with Russell Wilson? What are we doing with Nathaniel Hackett? Um, and if George Payton is not even considering um, the possibility of cutting Russell Wilson right now after this season, because I, I, there's two reasons why the Broncos shouldn't cut Russell Wilson this offseason. One, to save George Payton's job or two, because you strongly believe Russell Wilson is going to return to superstar form. If you don't believe in the second, like if you don't believe superstar is still in Russ, the only reason to not do it is save George Payton's job. And that is not an acceptable reason for me. I will look very side-eyed at this Broncos organization if they keep rest this off season. Cause to me, that looks like just trying to save George Payton's hide. And I don't want to make Joey's point, but Joey's going to have more in-depth points on why that's a bad idea. I just, the error's already been made at this point. And my fear with keeping George Payton is that he's going to continue to compound that mistake to try and prove the first mistake right. Like, oh, oh shoot, uh, this Russell Wilson thing's a disaster. Maybe now we need to draft a running back in the first round to ensure we have a strong run game and just... The, the, this mistake can avalanche into a bigger and bigger and bigger one until the Broncos take their medicine. If George Payton cuts Russell Wilson right after the season with a post June 1st cut, I, I might be okay with letting him oversee the rebuild. Honestly, that's not going to be popular with the chat. I know they want blood. I, I could be okay with it. I kind of buy into like the most anyone would have made the rust trade, the Hackett hires a joke and he would definitely be on thin ice, but all right, let's see what you can do with the 2023 draft. This team's going to be bad. And, you know, if the 2023 class doesn't yield anything, then maybe you are looking for a new GM. Um, but I don't know. So much of my opinion of George Payton lies on what he does with Russell Wilson this offseason. If he keeps him, I'm either going, I think you've made a terrible evaluation or you're really hurting the Broncos' future to I, save your own ass. Or... Uh, he cuts Russell Wilson and I go, oh my God, that's one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen a GM do. And it's totally necessary. And I think it's saving the Broncos credit to George Payton for putting this job on the line and owning his mistake. That would give him a lot of credit in my book. Okay. So Frankie comments right here. He said, I give Payton like a C plus right now. Everyone else is like, C-plus is passing. That's not okay. <laughs> C-plus is a passing grade. Everyone, everyone's kind of pissed off about that, and I get it. So here's my here's my overarching thing, and I know this is going to be pretty spicy here. Um, 
but I, I actually believe it, so I'm going to just say it. I wonder <laughs> if the Broncos should keep Peyton, not for what he's done right now, because I kind of agree with Frankie. Like I would have also have made that Russell Wilson trade at the time. Um, I know Zach and I have gone back and forth with that, but I also would have made that. But now I'm worried about this guy's job security is relying upon Russell Wilson. And I'm under the belief right now that Russell Wilson isn't the future of the Broncos. I really am. I think that if you improve the roster to how you want it to at next year, at best, Russell Wilson is a middling quarterback, and this is a middling team. I don't know if Russell Wilson is your quarterback past the past this next season, which leads me to believe, are we just delaying the inevitable? And do I want a GM at, do I want a GM that's just delaying the inevitable? Cause his job is tied to Russell Wilson Agreed. for how much I would say, um, maybe let's give him another shot. I know that's not how the NFL works. Not for long league is <laughs> for real. I know that's not how it works. I know George Payton doesn't have the time to say, Hey, but in 2025, we might look nice. I, I know that he does not have that time. I know he doesn't. His job security is 1,000% around Russell Wilson's success. And, like, do I want to step into this next offseason saying, hey, we're going to sell out for Russell Wilson, which could lead you to be saying like things like, do I want to draft an offensive tackle this next year? Because that's not a win now move. Should we draft should... a running back in the first round this next year? Because Russell Wilson needs a run game. I don't know if that's the type of thoughts I want. I want to look into this next offseason looking at what's best for the Broncos, not how do we fix Russell Wilson. That, that's, that's kind of my overarching thoughts on that. Fully agree. So much of this offseason, as long as Russell Wilson is still the quarterback of, of this Denver Broncos team, a lot of the focus is going to be like, how can we build? Um, uh, how, how can we win in 2023? And I don't think that's the right way to make the Broncos contend again, if I'm being honest. I don't, there's too many holes and too few assets and a very, very questionable quarterback to think you're going to be able to turn this into a contender in 2023. Um, yeah. I, I think you need to start rebuilding from the ground up. I see Pat upset calling uh, uh, Patrick Sertan uh, a bad pick um, and saying y'all would have traded champ for Portis. I think he's a really, really great cornerback. I think I'd rather have Justin Fields right now. I think I Patrick Sertan yeah. is a cog in the reason the Broncos defense is elite. And Justin Fields is like single-handedly willing the bears to being like a top six, is seven offense over the last two months. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Pat. <laughs> Thanks for listening, bro. Shout out to you. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. PS two is like, I think a good pick. I still think it wasn't the right pick is how I'd qualify. You walk away with an all pro Good pick. Should you have drafted uh, the quarterback instead of mortgaging the franchise's future for Russell Wilson? Yes, you should have drafted the quarterback. Okay, let's move into Okay, we got all that out on the table. This is something we can talk about in the future. I think this is something like this George Payton and all of this, all this stuff. It's like Broncos drama. What's, <laughs> what's new? Welcome to Broncos therapy session. We're letting it all out. What did you have to the say? The tiny. That? 
the tiny bow I want to tie in the George Payton thing is I think both of us, for both of us, it comes down to this. The GM's job is to do what is right for the Denver Broncos three, four, five years from now. It's the head coach's job to focus on winning now. And it's the marriage of those two ideals that you want to kind of see in your uh, NFL front office. Um, if George Payton's not willing to make the right decisions for the Broncos future, because he knows that what he needs to do is save his own ass. That's a fireable offense. In my opinion, the Walton Penner group are not paying George Payton to perpetuate his own career. Right. We can all agree on that. They are but paying him to do a job. I if you pay someone $20, I understand his perspective. Because it's, like it's you're human. writing your death certificate. It's human. Of course it's you. Well, I don't think necessarily. I think, I think so. either way, I don't think so. You are, if you roll it, if you run it back with Russ, you really are tied to Russ. I think you could go after this year and go like, this is bad. We need to get out now. Okay. The only way I could see George Payton cutting Russ this year and keeping his job through the future is if he drafted a first round quarterback this year. And then you could sell to the team. Hey guys, I think that if he were to go do the Lions thing, where he like, hey, we're gonna like- Jared Goff, bring him on for the year, he would be fired after this next year. I don't think that he has enough time to. It depends how it's pitched to the ownership group. Like if it if the expectations are this is going to be like we're going to see the results of this in 2024. I think you could get away with it. He did enter his tenure with this ownership group with a huge cachet. Um, and again, to go back to my point, no one's saying it's not understandable. Humans want to preserve their jobs. We can all understand that. 1, I'm not trying to say George Payton's evil, whatever. All understand why he might do it. However, the reason he has his contract and is making that big salary and everything isn't to perpetuate his own existence. It is to do what is right for the Denver Broncos. And if as ownership, you believe he is doing what is best for him and not what is best for the Denver Broncos, that's a fireable offense. You can understand why he's doing that, but that's still a fireable offense. And I would, we're coming to the same conclusion here. If that is the case, you need to let him go this offseason. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this whole situation. Or this is something we're going to have to unravel. I think maybe on like our next Let's Talk Broncos, we'll maybe get further into this. Um, but uh, it's this has been a long episode. I want to wrap it up with some fun news, some stuff that'll keep, uh, if you're a Colorado native, keep you going. Let's talk about the CU buffs. They landed Deion Sanders. I know this is a Let's Talk Broncos podcast, but... Zach, obviously, uh, Colorado um, uh, alumni, University of Colorado alumni, and then me, myself, I've just been looking for good college football in the state of Colorado forever, forever. Like, mines? Ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mines. It took me a year to clap back, but I'm back. <laughs> so, so I'm coming after you guys. And then, so let's talk about it. They, uh, obviously, Dion had his press conference at the Broncos game. That was a massive flex by CU saying, we're doing the press conference right at the end of the Broncos game. Um, I thought Dion did a terrific job. And then I also kind of want to get into his coordinator uh, uh, job. He just hired his coordinator, his offensive coordinator. He just hired. There's also some defensive coordinator rumors that are wild. Like I'm excited for it. 
But Zach, what it's are you saying? He's I like he is a generational public speaker. Um, just like wins the room so much. This is the most excitement that's been around uh, the University of Colorado in 20, 30 years. You're getting four stars, five stars being interested left and right. Trey Sanders, who is like a year or two removed from being a top six player in the nation, number one running back, is like, hey, I'm down to come. He'd be like the best player in CU Buffs history from like a recruiting perspective. Um, and he's not even the best one that's coming as a result of this Deion Sanders hire. There's stuff uh, one um, uh, person from some sports network was reporting that uh, someone within the CU program was telling him they had 200 uh, tr different transfer options and uh, rec uh, recruit options um, reach out to the buffs and be like, hey, we're down. It has turned the buffs to a program where it's like, whoa, we got that really highly ranked three-star to like they can start getting some dudes from all over the nation. Um, I'm excited to have it in my backyard where I can go watch some of these highly touted college football recruits live like that sweet without having to travel um, uh, uh, for the NFL draft and everything. Um, I don't know. It's really exciting. Like I've been so annoyed with CU football, my uh, <laughs> entire existence with them. And it's fun to see them finally try and win. I think it's going to go great. I think it probably lasts three years and then it's done, but I think it's going to be a really, really fun three years. Can I tell you? Okay. So first I'm going to start off with the, with what's annoying and then I'm going to move to, okay, we're in better places. What's annoying is that CU has cared about for cared about football for like a month now and they're already turning it around. Um, <laughs> that's, that's so yeah, annoying yeah, yeah. because it's been like a decade of them. It just shows the miss, like the management issues that CU has had. It shows like who's ever been in charge has done a really bad job because Notre Dame rage right here. Because dude, CU has <laughs> had <laughs> CU, CU has had a decade to figure it out. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know what? I think I care about football now. Football's cool. Let's let's get the football team good. And then all of a sudden, now we have Deion Sanders. We got five star recruits coming down here. Like what the hell, is Buff? Okay, now there's now, never been anything like this. Just on that point, you can see more of a roster overhaul in college football than you could ever see before, thanks to the transfer portal, NIL, and all this stuff. It used to be like you won't see the impacts of a coaching hire for two, three years. CU's getting the impacts of this coaching hire the day of. It's insane. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And then. I think so. Okay, I'll move into the positive now. The Broncos got Deion Sanders. I think he's perfect for this team. Um, this team is desperate, desperate for a brand. The once great, great program back in the day um, has been like damn near irrelevant for more than a decade now. They needed Kansas. Exactly. They need. They needed someone to come down here and put them back on the stage. Right. And that's exactly what Deion Sanders does. He's going to they're, they're going to be on ESPN all the time. When this portal opens up, they're going to be the talk of the town. They are right now. I saw that CU football's Instagram has doubled since Deion Sanders has been the head coach. Um, they hired. Uh, I'm forgetting for out of what school. Um, Kent State's offensive coordinator. No. No, here's the crazier thing about that. It's Kent State's head coach. Oh, head coach, head coach. My before bad. I'm going to forget Dion, that. Yes. Before Dion took the Colorado job, 
that Kent State head coach probably wouldn't have left Kent State to be the Colorado head coach. Right, like, right. Like, it's crazy. And now he's leaving to be their offensive coordinator. The Deion Sanders effect um, is just at its worst. Pat pointed out him changing <laughs> the trend. <laughs> Pat pointed out him getting CU to change the transfer policy too. For those that didn't know, CU had yeah. this really annoying transfer rules uh, that – it hindered a lot of people trying to transfer there, even just for academic reasons. Um, and hey, if you're going to hire Deion Sanders and pay him that money, you're going to let him do his Deion thing. And that means using the transfer portal. And that means changing changing the transfer policy. It's crazy. He is overhauling uh, the university. Joe Klatt said today the uh, head football coach is the most important hire a university makes. That's stupid, stupid as it sounds because it just brings so much money into the pro, uh, into this school if you get it right and it sets the tone for the whole campus and ho- whole school and everything. And uh, you're seeing that with Dion, like it has changed Boulder in a 24, 48 hour span. I've grown up in the Lafayette area, just outside of Boulder, my whole life been around CU football, my whole life. It is like an earthquake that, that just enveloped the city. It is. It's yeah. insane. It is. It is. And you're a thousand percent right. I hired, Hired offensive coordinator. I want to guys tell you a little bit about him. Um, this is a this is what makes it so crazy. This is a head coach that was uh, in the finalists for Cincinnati's head coaching job. Cincinnati's been a really good program recently. This is a guy that led um, Kent State to being the team that averaged the most points per game and yards per game in the nation. In 2020 and 2021, the Broncos are the the Broncos. Damn, the <laughs> the Buffs just got him as their offensive coordinator. Um, I want to talk a little bit about defensive coordinator. Mike Zimmer's been a rumor. That's ridiculous because I was talking about Mike Zimmer last year, being like, "Oh, maybe he's a defensive coordinator option for the for the Denver Broncos." If CU lands him, it's ridiculous. Um, any any uh, thoughts on that before we get out of here, Zach? Yeah, that would be um, – it'd be crazy, the staff he's potentially putting together here. Even if it's not that guy, uh, it, it, he's being rumored to maybe go for, like, the Alabama DBs coach. Um, he crossed uh, over with Charlie Kelly. Uh, wait, or is it Charles Kelly? It's Charles Kelly because Charlie Kelly is the only sunny character. It's very close to that name, um, who's, like, the assistant defensive coordinator at Alabama – Colorado suddenly legitimately has one of the best staffs in the nation. Um, if they can get the defensive staff to match that offensive coordinator higher. Um, why wouldn't you want to come play there? It's crazy. And and Mel Tucker showed it, honestly, before he left him for Michigan State. If you get players to come visit the Boulder campus, you can get them to commit. He got yeah. LaVisca Chanel. He got – um, uh, uh, Who's the other guy? Christian Gonzalez. Um, like got some good, good players, got some four stars, five stars uh, to commit during his time before he eventually left him high and dry. Um, Dion's doing that even more. And I think once you come and see Boulder and see the campus and everything, it's going to win over a lot, a lot of players. It's just no one was going to take visits to Colorado because they're the Kansas of the Rocky Mountains yeah. in terms of college football. Yeah. Like they're a disaster. Why would you go play there when you can go play for Kyle Whittingham in Utah? Um, I'm excited. Uh, the the speech I want to talk about before we get out of here, but see what you're going to say. Okay. 
Okay. The one last thing I want to hit on real quick is Travis Hunter. It looks like I saw 24-7 sports had him as 100% going to see you, um, which is crazy. He was the number one player in last year's uh, class, which is super exciting. He's a two-way player. I think he's he was a five-star wide receiver and cornerback coming out of high school. He's It's terrific. It's terrific news. Um, I don't know. I just think he's going to do a really good job recruiting, and I'm excited to see the buffs. What, what is your last thought, Zach? Yeah, I just want to talk about, I think, the speech, because that's the only controversial thing where he was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming. Get ready. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, bringing, my, said, I'm bringing my uh, he said, luggage with me, and it's I'm bring- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That was so that's far. Okay, keep going. And that's Travis Hunter right there. And, and he's right. Like, it's harsh, but I, I kind of like that message from a coach. We had a, a Gary Bennett, Gary Barnett, one of the two. Former CU head coach was the coach for close to a decade on the radio show I produced this morning. And he was like, I don't know if I would have done it that way, but it kind of had to be said. Like, this program is yeah. bad. What has been the standard at that program for a long time is bad. The player effort stuff is noticeable and it is bad. And having your first message message be like, hey, everyone, standard here is not good enough. So if you're not going to be up to the standard we're setting, enter the transfer portal now because it's not going to go well for you. You're not going to make <laughs> the team. Is like cold, but it's real. It's honest, and it sets the tone for the program, I think, in a valuable way. Um, and also, it's just honest with the players. It's setting them up for success. It's a hard reality, uh, but it is reality. And I don't, I, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him so far, like staff hiring, recruiting. Um, obviously, he hasn't coached a we game for even- CU, but you look at his coaching ability back at Jackson State. He is a good football coach above all things. Uh, I love while he's addressing the players, he asks, I think it's the linebackers coach. He goes, tell him about like h- how we watch film or whatever. And the guy pretty much outlines they have a, a – computer program or whatever that tracks how many hours everyone's watching film. And if you aren't watching the most hours in your position group, you're not starting. You can be the starter on the death chart or whatever, but if that week you didn't prepare enough, you're not starting. And I love that philosophy and how Sanders defended it was, how am I going to invest in you when you won't even invest in yourself? And I think stuff like that, it's just, it's crazy how he's overhauling this program. I'm so excited. I might get season tickets. That's how excited I am. I'm on cloud nine. All right. I keep saying last comment, but we didn't even mention, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to say this real quick. He's, we didn't even mention that they hired Willie Taggart, which is Florida State's lat, uh, which is a Florida State old head coach. Part of now they're recruiting. What Willie Taggart for? It's the recruiting staff. He was a dang good recruiter. That's all. <laughs> That's all. He's part of the recruiting team now. Like the wow. staff that Dion's building down there is That's, insane. It's a dream team. It's way better than you should get in Boulder, Colorado. This is oh, like it's a, ridiculous. This is a good SEC staff. This would oh, be it's a ridiculous. Good SEC staff, it's, and it's, it's in the fucking bottom of the Pac-12. This is crazy. <laughs> It's insane, but but that's all we have, guys. I know uh, this is the Let's Talk Broncos podcast, but hey, CU's fun. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, Transfer portal opened up today, so it'll be fun to follow that. I'm going to be retweeting all of that on my timeline. There's some really good Colorado recruiting um, 
accounts out on Twitter that I'm going to be retweeting. And if you want to follow along with that, I encourage you to go follow. Um, but Zach, where can they find your awesome work, man? Uh, find it over on uh, milehighsports.com. Uh, on Twitter, you can find shorter things at Zach underscore Seegers. I have my stock up, stock down this week, uh, uh, talking about a lot of the players we talked about here. Um, some good stat nuggets in there, a lot of positive stuff uh, this week because the Broncos outperformed my expectations, honestly. Um, so if you're miserable like the rest of us Broncos fans, go over there. You can find some salvation. For sure. Awesome guys. Yeah. If you want to follow, if you want to follow me, follow me at GR drafts. I highly encourage you to go follow Zach. He's writing an article like every single day. His work ethic is out of control. Um, I may even call him the Deion Sanders of uh, riding. <laughs> but, um, everyone, if you want to follow me, follow me at GR drafts. I'm going to be writing about the draft. Um, I'm going to be writing about positions. I started it yesterday. I'm going to continue tonight. Uh, positions the Broncos need in the upcoming draft. Make sure you are following the Let's Talk Broncos Facebook, the Let's Talk Broncos YouTube, um, the Let's Talk Broncos Instagram. If you want to hop in and talk to us on occasion, go follow, go join the Let's Talk Broncos Discord. I'm in there talking about the draft. I, I, I enjoy that. Zach's always in there, Breeze in there. Uh, so make sure you're doing that. And then, and then Frankie and I have a show every single Thursday. Let's Talk Broncos exclusive. So make sure you're following those accounts I just mentioned where we're talking about the NFL draft all the time. Um, yeah, that's all I have. But until next time, guys, go Broncos. And buffs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>